Slobby Boys Podcast, episode 5. Just me this week, and it's a little late. Let's get some music in here. Anyways, I just want to start this off by saying rest in peace to my mans, Zeke Upshaw, G League basketball player for the affiliate of the Detroit Pistons, I think. He was 26, from Chicago. <clears throat> you know, being that I'm from around the area, I have a bit of a bias towards Chicago and the people that are from there. So, you know, it hurts a little bit more to see uh, a Chicago native go so early, so young. I actually never got I never got to see him play because I don't really watch G League games, but, um, you know, if he was in the G League, he probably had a chance with an NBA team, you know? So, rest in peace to that guy, Zeke Upshaw. Uh, I just want to start off this podcast aside from talking about Zeke Upshaw, to, with giving a shout out to my man, Carl Anthony Towns, dropping 56 the other night on the Atlanta Hawks, after Ben Simmons dissed the team on Twitch playing PUBG. Let's take a listen in on uh, what Ben Simmons had to say about the Hawks. I see, you a PUBG master though, so I'm gonna let you be. You getting it, hop on man, play one. Yeah, we need one more man. You got time, who do you play tomorrow? Yeah, you got, you got plenty of time. Ben <laughs> <laughs> Simmons is so disrespectful to the Atlanta Hawks. That's hilarious. But yeah, shout out to Cat. I guess shout out to Ben Simmons for being a savage. I don't know. Anyways, let's get into some some topics here that will take more than two minutes to talk about. The national championship is officially set. It's uh, April 1st, about 12.30 in the morning as I'm doing this. And the, the national championship is set for college basketball. Um, it is Villanova and Michigan. Michigan beat Loyola Chicago. 69-57 and Villanova blew out Kansas 95-79 to almost won by 20 points Jesus Christ Villanova also broke the final four record for most three-pointers in a game against Kansas uh, they set the record well they broke it with 14 and then I think they actually uh set the record maybe no they did set the record I'm an idiot but uh, they had 18 okay so shout out to them I, I, I see them beating Michigan I think they have the they average the most points in the country so and I don't really know much about Michigan's defense anymore. I kind of forgot. Because, I mean, I studied up on it with my bracket, but I don't really remember anymore. I had them losing early. I think I had them losing to... I think my eventual champion, Duke, but then they lost to Kansas, too. 
or they lost Kansas, so um, they are they were out. I said a couple episodes ago to uh, not really trust my opinion too much on college basketball. I mean, I keep up with um, NBA prospects, but I don't really keep up with a lot of other teams and just players that are like you know decent in college, like Chris Jenkins from Villanova. I just know him because of that shot he hit. I think two years ago. And that's the only way that I had ever heard of him. Like I said, are just good in college, but honestly won't be that serviceable in the NBA. I don't really pay attention to those guys. But I mean, I know it's a, a decent amount of stuff about you know guys like Bagley, DeAndre Ayton, Michael Porter Jr., even Trey Young, even if I think he's going to be a bust. Him along with uh, Luka Doncic or Doncic, Doncic. I don't know. Uh, I think Doncic would be better than Trey Young, but I just think that he's decent at everything and not good enough at one specific thing to really be a star in the league. He'll be serviceable, but I think he's not, you know, top pick worthy or even top 10 worthy I think somebody will regret taking them taking him well them and Trey Young but yeah final four is Monday April 2nd Villanova versus Michigan shout out to Jalen Rose he had Michigan winning mostly because that's his alma mater but still Picking the picking a team in the championship, bias or not, is still quite the accomplishment. I'd like to think so. So shout out to Jalen Rose. I love the Jalen and Jacoby podcast as well. It's a good band or a good podcast. I was looking at the podcast notes. That's why I said band. Anyways, got some NFL free agency news. My boy. Indomitian Sue finally signed with a team. He signed with the LA Rams for one year, 14 million, which is so crazy that um, that a player of Indomitian Sue's um, caliber in the NFL is getting a one-year $14 million contract when, you know, some of the best players in the NBA are getting paid $30, 40000000 million a year almost at this point. Maybe some of these dudes just pick the wrong profession. Nah, 14 mil is still a bag. Like, don't get me wrong. Steph Curry's getting paid $200 mil over what five years so that's just crazy that's just just crazy I don't really know anything else about any other free agents at the moment but I think at this point the only person that we really cared about at this stage of free agency was Indomitian Sue and he um, kind of completed Probably the best offseason in Rams history. 
anything Rams recent in history, I don't really know anything about the past of the Rams. Because I don't really root for them. But I'll be watching this year with uh, Marcus Peters, Akeem Talib, Aaron Donald, and Indomitian Sue. That's deadly. They could maybe make a push for the Super Bowl if Jared Goff stays good and if Gurley has another year like he had last year. I could see them representing the conference that they're in. I can't remember right now. I think it's the NFC. Maybe it's not. Whatever. For the Super Bowl. I could see them making it. That'd be cool. We're going to move on to something else about the NFL. Um, the Giants apparently want two first-round picks for Odell Beckham Jr. And I'm going to tell you that if it is true, which I don't know if it is, if they're willing to trade Odell, but if they are, they're not getting that moment. Uh, I, even saw, I actually have this article pulled up from The Ringer. Shout out to Bill Simmons. Uh, but yeah, from The Ringer, uh, for what is the best trade offer for Oda Beckham Jr. Now, I scrolled through this article and didn't really care until I saw my Indianapolis Colts here. And they proposed to offer for the number 6 pick, the number 49 pick, and a 2019 fourth round pick for Odell Beckham Jr. Now if the Colts were going to pull the trigger for Odell they should not give up their number six pick. Maybe give him a first next year and maybe throw in a second this year along with the first next year. But if we pull the trigger for the number six pick for Odell Beckham Jr. We're just gonna have another terrible year. I mean, we're just gonna have to try to outscore everybody because I think that the Colts need to hang on to this pick and draft this defensive end from NC State, Bradley Chubb, because we need help on the defensive side, bro. My dead ass. I don't understand. The Colts have just been really pissing me off. <laughs> with some of the draft picks that they make. Landon Collins was still on the board and you take Philip Dorsett when we had Andre Johnson, T.Y. Hilton, and Dante Moncrief at the time. I don't understand what they were doing. And then the Giants get him and he becomes a fucking all-pro safety, which then again our coaching staff is terrible so he probably wouldn't have been used right and used to his full potential. So either way, we probably would have screwed it up. But still, shout out to the Colts. Love you. Andrew Luck, come back soon, my guy. You're the only reason we were ever relevant after we lost Peyton Manning. <laughs> but yeah, Odell. If he's not staying in New York, then they need to kind of accept that they're not going to be getting its two first-round picks for Odell Beckham. I think that he should stay because they are rebuilding and they have a second pick. 
So they could take maybe a Josh Allen or a Sam Darnold and have him back up Eli for a year. And Odell is still young. I think he's maybe 24 or 25. Let me just look it up real quick. Yeah, he's 25. He's still young. You know, if Eli retires next year or sometime, you know, within probably the next three years, I think he's going to retire. Odell will still be relatively young in his prime, and either Sam Darnold or Josh Allen will have taken a lot of knowledge from Eli Manning and will be taking over under center, and they could be really dangerous to the NFC. So I think, if anything, they should keep Odell Beckham Jr., not trade him, and build the team around him. Uh... So yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about the NFL. Not a lot, I mean a lot's happening, but not a lot that I'm really paying attention to and really feel like discussing t to a large extent, you know what I mean? So, still, shout out to Odell, friends with Drake, getting that money. What can I say? Moving on to the NBA. We already talked about Carl Anthony Towns and Zeke Upshaw. We're going to talk about the MVP. LeBron James recently said that if he were to vote for MVP, he'd vote for himself. That's just the most LeBron thing that I've ever heard. I don't care for LeBron myself. I think he's overrated in terms of all time. In terms of all time, LeBron is overrated. LeBron is one of the best players in the world. He's probably in my top 10 of all time, but he's not the greatest of all time. I still have Kobe over him. You can say whatever you want, but I have Kobe over LeBron. And obviously I have Michael over LeBron. LeBron is, is doing a pretty big carry job with the Cleveland Cavaliers but I just think it's so ridiculous you know LeBron has serviceable players above average players Jordan Clarkson Kevin Love Larry Nance Jr. Rodney Hood J.R. Smith George Hill And he just can't seem to really get it together. Even with Isaiah Thomas, D. Rose, Jay Crowder, and all the other guys that he had traded off the, the Cavs, he couldn't ever really seem to get it together. And as the best player on that team, and as the team leader, I put that on him. That he can't rally his guys together to, to win more games than they're winning right now and plus James Harden exists you're not winning the MVP straight up I have him probably like fourth for MVP or Harden Davis and probably Dame Lillard and then maybe fourth or fifth depending on how I feel about DeMar DeRozan but yeah just 
the things that Harden's doing, the points he's averaging, the assists he's averaging, the team success. The only, he put up the only 60-point triple-double in NBA history this year. So, I mean, I with about six games left, I pretty much have Harden locked, locked up as the MVP. No questions asked. LeBron's having a good year. You know, he just is being LeBron. And honestly, I think people are kind of overrating his season because it's his 15th year. I mean, Le Michael Jordan won 72 games at age 33. I mean, if we're considering him an all-time great, he should still be dominating. He's barely out of his prime, and he's had no major injuries throughout his entire NBA career. I would hope that he's still a top player in the league at age 33. That's hardly out of, if not still in, like 85% still in your prime. So I would hope that LeBron would still be dominating. But yeah, he's he's great and all, but I just think Harden deserves the the MVP. And guys like Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard probably, I think, deserve a few more votes than him. But I will still give him props for the season that he's having. Uh, the NBA draft is... Well, it's this month. It's technically April. Um, I don't really know what the uh, projected lottery is right now. Um, but... After being eliminated from the tournament, there have been a lot of guys that have declared for the draft top prospects like Michael Porter, Andrew Ayton, Marvin Bagley III from Duke, and Trey Young are kind of the big ones, I think, that have declared for the draft so far. Maybe Mikel Bridges from Villanova did, but I don't remember. But he's a top guy. Um. I think no matter who has the first pick, I think they need to take DeAndre Ayton. I mean, the dude already looks like he's 30 years old. He's kind of like the epitome of today's big man in the NBA. He can post up, play defense, and he can stretch the floor. He can shoot three. Um. Yeah, I just think that, uh, number two should be Bagley, and I just think that Aiton is miles above even Marvin Bagley in terms of talent right now and talent in, you know, five, six years. I think DeAndre Aiton kind of has that number one pick locked up as he deservingly should. Um, the 2018 NBA Hall of Fame class was announced today. Uh, NBA, or not NBA Hall of Fame, but Basketball Hall of Fame. 
the NBA players that are going into the Hall of Fame are Jason Kidd, Ray Allen, Steve Nash, Grant Hill, and Maurice Cheeks. I think this is a pretty good um, number of dudes going into the Hall of Fame. Very deserving. Jason Kidd, second in assists and maybe steals, I think. NBA champion. Um, obviously very deserving of the Hall of Fame. Ray Allen. I think he's the all-time leader in three-pointers made. Yeah, he is. Oh, he broke Reggie Miller's record. What was that, 2012 or 11? I remember watching the game live where he did it. I think he was on the Celtics at the time, so yeah, it was probably like 2010, 11, or 12. I, <laughs> like I told you, I don't remember. But I remember watching Ray Allen break Reggie Miller's record. Two-time champ. I think. Uh, yeah, very deserving. Steve Nash really doesn't even really need any... Well, none of these guys really need an uh, explanation for being in the Hall of Fame. Steve Nash, two-time MVP. One of the best passers of all time. Grant Hill, despite really having his potential taken away from him with injuries, still managed to play, I think, 18 years in the league. With the Pistons, I think the Magic, the Suns, probably some other teams that I just can't remember right now. Grant Hill, if he gets in, I really just don't see why Derrick Rose should not get in. T-Mac and Grant Hill are in. No disrespect towards them at all. They're great. But Derrick Rose is great too. It's kind of the same situation. We saw flashes of how great these players could be. You know, T-Mac had the 13 and 33 and even before then he was playing phenomenal basketball with the Orlando Magic potentially even being better than Kobe while he was on the Magic MVP candidate never won it Grant Hill showed flashes of greatness with the Pistons with the Magic and was still able to be a good role player on the Phoenix Suns for many years and then Derrick Rose won the MVP in Chicago and is still continuing to in my opinion still be a good player in the NBA obviously he's not you know top five players top five point guards he's none of that anymore but I think given the opportunity he can still give you 14 to 16 points with five assists and I think if you can still do that after all these injuries, having your athleticism and what was supposed to be your prime taken away from you at the age of 23, I have nothing but respect for that. So I think if Derrick Rose does continue to play, which I think he will after this season, whether it's with the Timberwolves or with, the, with somebody else, regardless, I think... If he retired today, I don't know if he would make the Hall of Fame, but 
I think he will just based on what he will continue to do. And then Maurice Cheeks. I think he was the point guard with Julius Irving and Moses Malone. I don't really remember, but he was he was great. And he's a good coach. He's a really good coach, too. Yeah, he played with uh, Dr. J and Moses Malone. He won a championship in 83. He was one of the best defensive point guards ever. I think he has the playoff record for most steals. Um, yeah, I think he's pretty high on the steals list as well. That was kind of his bread and butter, his defense. I wasn't alive in 1983, but just based on numbers and what I've seen from him, Kevin Durant would call me a blog boy for saying this, but, you know, just looking at the numbers and stuff, he's a one of the greats and he should be a hall of famer i think it's long overdue that he's getting inducted he's one of the better defensive point guards ever and he won a championship and he is a pretty critical part to that championship team so yeah uh what is that Uh, five NBA players going into the Basketball Hall of Fame. And then there's also, I think, maybe WNBA player, some coaches, and maybe international players. I don't really know. But yeah, shout out to them. Very well-deserving for all of them. I don't really have a problem with any of these guys being in the Hall of Fame. Playoff picture for basketball. There's a lot of basketball in here, but that's my favorite sport, and we're going to talk about it. I need to Google the NBA standings. I know that the Rockets just clinched the best record in the league. Tonight, I think. Yeah, they're 62-14 right now, on top of the West. Golden State's right behind them without Curry heading into the playoffs which we're gonna talk about all the injuries and stuff in a little bit but the Warriors right behind them and then it's Portland which is surprising for me because I saw them kind of well not having home court advantage in the first round or at all you know Shout out to Dame. Definitely deserves to probably be third place in MVP voting. He's a great player, and he's. Him and CJ are really kind of carrying that team along with a above average center in Yusuf Nurkic. But I just did not see them. Um. Pretty much at this point with six games left, ooh, I don't know about that. But the top three, they're three games ahead of San Antonio at four, which is amazing to me because Kawhi Leonard's only played nine games. LaMarcus Aldridge is, what, 32? And he's still dropping 
career highs, 45 points, and carrying this team and being an all-star. With LaMarcus Aldridge's build and kind of play style, I didn't really see him as kind of leading a team to potentially 45-50 wins. They're not going to get 50 wins, but I don't think they're going to get 50 wins. They're probably going to lose some game at some point. But over 45 wins as a first option for LaMarcus Aldridge with kind of a lot of, just a lot of role players around him. I think they have... Cleveland's only two games better than them. Which is kind of mind-boggling to me because Kawhi Leonard has only played nine games and he was third for MVP voting last year behind Westbrook and James Harden. So without their MVP, they're still the four seed in the Western Conference while missing a top five, top ten player in the league. Now it's Pop. Shout out to Lamarcus. Really kind of doing a huge carry job. Four through eight, though, is such a massive race. Like if the Spurs lost and then the Pelicans won, they could jump up. Because uh, there's a three-way tie between... San Antonio, Minnesota, and Oklahoma City at 4, 5, and 6. And then they're only one game ahead of the Jazz and the Pelicans. So the Spurs, the Timberwolves, and the Thunder are 44 and 33. Well, the Spurs are 44 and 32. Which I guess gives them the advantage because they're a half a game ahead of both of them. And then Utah and New Orleans are at 43 and 33. So honestly, um, and even Portland is only ahead of everybody else by three or four games. So anybody could really beat anybody. And I think the Thunder are kind of trying, maybe trying to lose games so they can play Golden State in the first round and maybe beat them without Steph Curry. But, I mean, if it is what it is right now, the Warriors are beating the Jazz, with or without Stephen Curry. But against the Thunder, I don't know. Maybe maybe not so much. Not so easily. Not as easily as it would be to beat the Jazz. But I don't know. Hopefully, um, you know, Steve Kerr did say that um, there is no chance that Wardell was going to play in the first round. But still, um, I think that they have a good chance of beating really anybody in the first round. But if Steph is still hurt in maybe the second round or the conference finals, uh, I, I don't know if they're really... A, they're, I, they're still not a lock for the finals with Curry because the Houston Rockets exist. But I think they're even less of a lock for the finals. I think their chances go down drastically if they have to face Oklahoma City or Houston or even Minnesota maybe without Stephen Curry. So with all these injuries happening to Golden State, and one just happened tonight with Patrick McCaw, 
which it I saw recently that it was uh, looking good for him. Shout out to him. Hope he um, recovers. But yeah, man. We could potentially see like a Houston and Cleveland or Houston and Toronto or maybe Golden State and Toronto. Or it's just, I just hope anything but the Warriors and the Cavs. I really am pushing for a Rockets Raptors finals. Because it'd just be a breath of fresh air and finally we just are not seeing Golden State and Cleveland again. Because the Celtics aren't going to make it. I know they're the two seed and they are a lot of games, seven games ahead of Cleveland. But these injuries, well first off to Gordon Hayward, which it's amazing that they're still winning. They still won 50 plus games without him, thanks to the emergence of Jason Tatum and the improvement of Jalen Brown. But even then, there's injuries to Marcus Smart, obviously Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving is out. I think for the rest of the season, he will be back for the playoffs, I think. But I don't remember. But the Celtics aren't going to make the finals. Plain and simple. If they had Hayward and Brown and Tatum were still playing at the high levels that they're playing at, Brad Stevens is the coach. And Kyrie and Smart were all healthy. I would maybe give them a chance. So maybe next year they will make the finals. Who knows. But I'm pushing for the Houston-Toronto finals. Even though it will probably be either Golden State or Houston. Beating the Cavaliers in the finals. No matter who the Cavaliers play in the finals. I think they're going to lose to a Western Conference team. But since we're talking about the Warriors playing without Curry in the first round, let's just go over a lot of the injuries that are happening. Steph's out. Rest of the season, first round. Sprained MCO. Um, Joel Embiid actually is now out, I think, for the rest of the season with... Um, orbital fracture which he just had surgery on and probably while well, high on anesthetics hit up Rihanna on Twitter <laughs> I, I love Joel Embiid dude he's so funny his antics and the things that he does off the court are just as amazing and entertaining as the post ups the, the blocks the threes that he does on the court Joel is the best personality in the NBA. Don't even try to debate me. But yeah. Um, those are kind of the really big ones. They're obviously a very scary injury to Patrick McCall tonight for the Warriors. Which is looking good. He's getting an MRI tomorrow and he's regained feeling in his legs, which I know sounds absolutely terrifying for a role player for a team that is contending for a championship. 
but according to Bleacher Report, they say he's um, that he's it's good news that he will hopefully be back soon. Yeah, I don't really hate the Warriors as much as a lot of other people, or even just as much as I used to. I, I, I like the way I gave LeBron a lot of shit back in 2010 for going to Miami. I gave KD a lot of shit for going to Miami. Or going to Golden State, not Miami. <sighs> Jesus Christ, I'm taking L's all over this podcast while I'm doing it solo. Yeah, man. And since we were talking about the 76ers and Joel Embiid's injury, um, Markel Fultz, man. I was very high on Markel Fultz. Uh, going into the draft, and then he had the, soldier, the shoulder injury. Can't speak English correctly. Had the shoulder injury, and then forgot how to shoot a basketball, and then he relearned how to shoot a basketball, and now he's back. Um, first game, I think he had. Oh, I can't remember what he had, but. Um, he's been playing well. He had a poster dunk tonight, and he was hitting, um, step-back J's, and, um, turnaround jumpers, I think, at some point, and showing crazy athleticism, getting to the rim, making good passes. I think he's been back three game, for three games so far this year. His first game back against Denver, he had 10 points, 4 rebounds, and 8 assists. Against the Knicks, he kind of struggled. 3 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. And then um, against Atlanta, he had 10 points, 1 rebound, and no assists, which I think is the worst game so far that he's played. Out of these three, aside from the ones where he came back and, you know, bricking jump shots, bricking free throws, his jump shot looked hideous. Um, so yeah, um, even if he's not scoring, like the game against the Knicks, he had three points, but he still contributed five rebounds and seven assists. There was a play, I was watching the game against the Nuggets live. And he had passes to, I think it was Dario and uh, Robert Covington. One resorted in a four-point play, I think, for Robert Covington. Maybe it was a three-point play, I don't remember. But, uh, he drove in, turned around, passed it to Covington, and then he shot it. A foul hit the jump shot and won. Which is a great heads-up play for somebody in their first game back after missing like, 60 games. I think, yeah, I think Markel's only going to play, like, what, 10, 11 games for his rookie season? But still, in a lot of the games that he's played, he's, um, well, for, I guess, most of them, because the other game he was still not knowing how to shoot a jump shot, but these past three games have been impressive for somebody coming back from a shoulder injury and having a bit of a mental lapse with um, their fundamentals. 
So shout out to Markel for uh, coming back and uh, leading this, well not leading, but contributing to some 76er wins because they blew out the Nuggets by, I think, over 20. And I don't remember uh, the other games, you know, or what happened. They beat the Hawks, but I don't know what happened in the next game. They beat the Hawks by 10 uh, on Friday. It's pretty impressive. So yeah, shout out to Markel Fultz, shout out to all the Tills of Elias 76ers. That team's really up and coming. And pretty much that's it for the NBA. We'll talk about some baseball now. You guys like baseball? Uh, well, we're going to talk about it. Opening day was Friday. Um, both Chicago teams actually, wait, the Cubs lost to Miami, but I think they picked up a win on Saturday. Yeah, 10 to 6. So both Chicago teams have put up double digits in runs already this season. So that's a good sign. I mean, all I really care about in baseball is the Cubs and the Sox. So it's great to see them. To see them win. I mean, I'm more of a White Sox fan than a Cubs fan, but I root for the city of Chicago. Yeah, they beat the the Royals too, 14 to seven, on opening day, Friday, which is pretty impressive. I've already been seeing a lot of um, high-scoring games for for baseball. Yeah, there was 13 to 10 for the Pirates and the Dodgers. 13 to 7. I did see that for the Nationals. But I don't know. I don't have that much to say about baseball. Not the biggest fan, but I can tolerate it. The Yankees are going to win the World Series, and if they don't, then I mean, I guess maybe it'll be like a a slump for um, for Judge, and we may have to. Evaluate, reevaluate how good he is. I don't know. It's just it's the same thing with KD, with the Warriors. If they don't make the conference finals, or if they lose in the first round, or they lose it all without Curry, well, not at all because you know, I'm not expecting sweeps. But if they lose before the conference finals, I think we may have to reevaluate how good Kevin Durant is, especially if they lose in the first round to Oklahoma City. Which is <laughs> Katie's former team. But it's the same. It, it's the same thing like that with with Judge and Stanton. I think personally that these are two of the top three guys in the MLB. So, or maybe top five: Harper, Trout, Stanton, Judge, and somebody else. Yeah, if they don't win, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we will have to um, 
blame it on the firing of Joe Girardi and maybe Yankees front management isn't that great which I don't know if people think it is or not because I don't really follow baseball but if you have two of the top five players in the world no matter what sport it is I think you should win if you don't then maybe that should affect where you are in the rankings but that's it about sports in general sports pretty much dominate the podcast because it's really all that we talk about well obviously otherwise it wouldn't dominate the podcast but there's just a lot happening right now March Madness is happening the end of the NBA season is happening the playoffs are coming soon baseball starting NFL offseason is getting uh He's you know catching fire. NFL's catching fire over the spring and the summer before the season starts. But yeah, that's pretty much um, all I have to say about sports. We're gonna move on to a bit of music, and then that's gonna be it for the podcast. Sports music—that's pretty much all we've ever talked about, aside from that one conversation about Modern Warfare 2. Um. Shout out to Wendy's, fam. <laughs> These dudes over at Wendy's are doing something right. You know? Uh, they dropped a mixtape the other day. Maybe it was last week. I don't remember. Maybe it was sometime last week, early this week. But I think it was, what, five tracks? It was all rap, a trap rap, dissing McDonald's and Burger King and other relatively inexpensive uh, fast food places. Shit was crazy. Um, yeah, five songs. This came out March 23rd, 2018. Okay, so. Fantano actually went through and reviewed this mixtape but I'm talking about Anthony Fantano the needle drop if you just don't know who Fantano is music critic over a million subscribers on YouTube um, he's the self-proclaimed internet's busiest music nerd and he went through and gave this a not good video which I mean I guess yeah, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that great, but, um, this shit, man, shout out to FIFO from Dead End Hip Hop, but this shit bumps in the whip. I played this through my stereo, actually, <laughs> which is kind of sad that I'm playing a Wendy's mixtape through my stereo, but the production is so good. I, ta I added Wendy's on Twitter and let them know that the mixtape was fire. And one of the producers on the tape, Visions, uh, liked the tweet. He produced four for four dollars, which is the last song on the tape. That was a pretty good beat. I mean, obviously the lyrics were kind of trash because it is Wendy's and it's all about dissing other fast food restaurants but regardless it's all just memes and um, for what it is it's 
not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> but for what it isn't, which is actual music, it's terrible. You know what I mean? I think with music you kind of have to take take stuff for what it is. Which is kind of why I don't like a lot of SoundCloud rappers that take themselves way too seriously. Guys like Lil Pump and Ugly God I find hilarious and entertaining. But there's some guys like uh, XXXTentacion, which I don't exactly find that great. But, question mark was an improvement. There are a lot of pretty good songs on there. I don't exactly remember which ones were really good. But, uh, let me just pull it up so I can go through this track list. Because I meant to talk about this last week. But my co-host did not listen to the album. So I'm going to go ahead and just off topic kind of drop, drop a quick little review on it. Because I have had a lot to say about it. This album, I didn't like 17 at all. Jocelyn Flores was okay. But that's like the only decent song on the album. And it isn't even really that great. So I thought 17 was a really bad album. And a lot of the shit that he did... In 2016? 17? I mean, I thought a lot of it was pretty bad. I don't want to do this anymore it was okay. I find Rip Roach hilarious. But other than that, just for some of the shit that he says, though. Hold my pistol, ambidextrous. I thought that was a pretty okay line, I guess. But Question Mark was definitely an improvement on pretty much everything that X had done. Um, Moonlight was one of my favorite songs. Floor 555 was okay. Um, he kind of sounded like a very angry Eminem when he was in his prime. And he kind of snapped on that. Infinity 888 is the best song on the album by far it's more of a boom bap old school hip-hop new york kind of style it has joey badass on it he kills his verse x goes into uh you know spitting some pretty fast bars a little bit later into the track and overall it's just a fantastic rap hip-hop song uh, going Down is a good kind of trap song. It's okay. It's produced by 808 Mafia. The beat is good. I think it's kind of a parody though. Along with the song. Which is Three Dollar Signs featuring Matt Ox. Which is fucking terrible. But I think those songs are just kind of jokes. And if they are, then they're pretty okay and funny but if they're not then they're bad pain equals best friend with travis barker is okay uh smash with pnb rock is kind of the same thing as going down in the dollar sign song it's okay but if it's a joke parody song it's a lot better i don't even speak spanish lol get out um the other song I want to talk about is uh, Schizophrenia. And I think the other one was actually Numb, which are kind of the same thing. They're kind of more punk inspired songs. 
mostly numb is like punk and then schizophrenia is, has some like elements of screamo in it these songs are good I think it's the song numb that kind of it sounds to me like Daniel Caesar meets Imagine Dragons which X kind of does an okay job with it and then schizophrenia it's a short song, but it had me kind of, you know, headbanging a little bit, but then it was over pretty quick. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, overall, I wanted to do a quick review on Question Mark by XSX and Tentacion. So, there you go. It's a little late. The album's a little, uh, well, it's not old, but... For a weekly podcast, it's a little late to be talking about it. Uh, since we're talking about rap, the new Tyler the Creator song, Okra, I think is how you pronounce it. It's a, it's it's classic. It's a, it's an immediate classic. It's you know it's more of a I don't want to say it. I'm not gonna say banger. I hate that word. But it's more like a I guess harder hitting song like Who That Boy and uh, I Ain't Got Time on Flower Boy, which was the best album of last year. By far. Um, but yeah, Tyler absolutely goes off on this song. Uh, the third verse is where it really gets crazy, though. And kind of the second verse. Um, he kind of confirms the, uh, the breaking up of Odd Future. He says, golf be the set, no more OF, which is expanding of Odd Future. He says that in the second verse. And then he says in the third verse, and it's still Wolfgang, bitch, watch how I bark. Psych. So... Um, it's actually not in the genius rap genius um, lyrics that he says psych after the bar, but he does. So pretty much two times confirming that Odd Future's over. But then in the video, um, Taco and Jasper make an appearance. So it is kind of cool that even though they're not making music together and they're not doing Loiter Squad anymore that they most of them are you know still friends Taco Tyler and Jasper are still friends and I don't I don't know about Tyler and Earl I don't know about Tyler and Earl because they haven't done anything since together they haven't done anything together since Doris and since then they've kind of they haven't done anything, and they've kept quiet about each other. So, I mean, I'm not going to jump to any conclusions and say that, you know, with this song and no appearance from Earl in the video, that they must hate each other. But, you know, it's up in the air. That's all I'm going to say. It's up in the air. Anything could happen. I pretty much placed everything in life. Anything could happen. I'm not even really going to get into the sexuality things. He says, uh tell Tim Chalamet who I think that's how you pronounce his name I don't really know 
He doesn't call me by your name, but he Tyler says tell him to come and get at me. Which I don't care if I don't care about sexuality. Be whatever you want. I don't mind. Just don't be an asshole. That's kind of my rule for life and acceptance. Don't be an asshole. Be whatever you want to be. You know, just don't be an asshole. So, whether Tyler is trolling about his sexuality or not, doesn't matter. I don't care. I love the music, and that's all that matters at the end of the day. It's about the music. And this music is great music, so I'm going to listen to it. Speaking of great music, uh, there's this band from Michigan who I think is going to... I'm not going to say save rock and roll, but they could kind of bring that classic rock... I don't want to say traditional, but kind of traditional, I guess, of... You know, not really using samples and, you know, just playing guitar and shit, man. And if you don't know, this band is called Greta Van Fleet. This band kind of gets shit on a little bit for sounding like Led Zeppelin. Which I kind of see if you listen to Safari Song, which is the first song on their double EP from The Fires. There is definite Led Zeppelin influence, and Josh the singer does sound a lot like Robert Plant when he sings. But, I mean, you you can't control your voice, man. I mean, if you could, I probably wouldn't sound like this. But yeah, you, you, you can't control your voice. And, you know, I, 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 I don't think that, I mean, if Josh can do these things with his voice, you know, it, I don't think it should matter if somebody wants to say that he needs to change his voice because he sounds too much like Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. It should matter. If he can do that, just appreciate it, you know? Um, they do a good job with what they do. I think the only thing that is like s directly kind of, I don't, I don't want to say ripping off, but taking a lot of influence from Led Zeppelin as an entire band is Safari Zone. It's the only thing that is, as an entire band, kind of taking influence from, directly from Led Zeppelin almost making a song that sounds like a Led Zeppelin song is Safari Song. Every other song, I think, kind of has its own sense of originality, barring influences from 70s rock that isn't just making a song that sounds like Led Zeppelin. Even Highway Tune doesn't really sound like Led Zeppelin. Black Smoke Rising definitely does not sound like Led Zeppelin song. So yeah, I think that people kind of need to lay off Greta Van Fleet if you're just going to call them Greta Van Zeppelin. That's not true. Listen to something 
and appreciate everything. Well, yeah, they're good guitar solos, but you know, if you play a good guitar solo, you know, you're not just ripping off Jimmy Page. You know, he's not really trying to sound like Jimmy Page, the guitar player, which I think his name is Jake, I don't remember, but. You know, he's not trying to sound like Jimmy Page the way that Stevie Ray Vaughan was trying to sound like Jimi Hendrix. And Stevie Ray Vaughan is regarded as a great guitarist. I don't really see Stevie Ray Vaughan get much hate for playing his guitar and trying to sound like Jimi Hendrix with his solos. So, I don't think you should do that with Greta Van Fleet and their guitarist with Jimmy Page. The singer can't control his voice. If he sounds like Robert Plant, he sounds like Robert Plant. There's nothing you can do about it. He's not going to change his vocal inflections or go into the studio and make some changes to his voice just to appease everybody because they don't think he should, you know, his voice shouldn't be that way. He needs to change it. There's nothing you can fucking do about it. Leave him alone. So, they're a great band. Listen to From the Fires, the EP. I think it's six original songs and two covers. Highlights from that album, or double EP, whatever, are definitely Safari Song, Highway Tune, and Black Smoke Rising. Those are my favorite songs on the album. I listen to those three songs pretty much every day. And these kids are only... Um, the singer, Josh, and the guitarist, I, th I swear his name is Jake, but I don't remember. Um, they're both 21, they're twin brothers, their younger brother, who is on the bass, and their friend on the drums are both 18. So these kids are young. These guys are young. Um, can't really say they're kids, I'm, I'm myself, I'm 19, so. But yeah, these guys are young. And it's their first putting out of original music, and a lot of people, a lot of bands and artists, when they put out their first album or EP or single or whatever, wear their influences on their sleeves a lot. They haven't really come into their own, they haven't found their sound yet. And that's that's also the case with Greta Van Fleet. And their influences include Led Zeppelin, Rush, Jefferson Airplane, Fleetwood Mac, guys like that, groups like that. And they make good sounding, nostalgic rock music. And I, I, I just think people kind of become elitists with, you know, this guy sounds like Robert Plant. They must be ripping off Zeppelin. People labeled Rush Zeppelin ripoffs. And look how far they went. So I think they have potential. I don't know what they're going to do. I can't predict the future. I can't predict how much they're going to blow up. Or if they're gonna revive the that type of scene and music style, but I personally really dig their music. So shout out to those guys. I hope they have a lot of success. And I think that's gonna do it for episode five of the podcast. Did this one solo? Um, hopefully next week everything will just be fine and normal. But if not, whatever. We will. Uh, adjust um accordingly <laughs> so thanks for listening uh my name is aa ron i didn't introduce myself at the beginning of the episode i don't really care to do so but 
if you don't know.